Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I, of course, as you've uh, just heard, I am the host here on Golf Talk Live, Ted Odorico, and I want to thank you guys, uh, as always, for tuning in live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. All right, we've got a great show for you tonight. We've got a couple of great uh, lady professionals uh, from the LPJ are joining me on the panel discussion. Uh, I, I don't think this is a first, but it's certainly... Uh, uh, one that I'm going to enjoy tremendously because both of them are, are very skilled at what they do. And they're going to help you guys tuning in tonight to the show uh, how to improve your accuracy. So I'm going to introduce them here in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, Joshua Doxtater. Uh, he is the general manager at the Harbor Shores Golf Club in Michigan. Uh, he's going to be joining me here a little bit later on talking about some of the improvements that they've made uh, not only on the golf course, but overall uh, in their area of Michigan to improve and make it a, a better place for all and definitely a must on your bucket list of places to visit. Um, again, just to remind everybody, we are live every Thursday evening, so glad that you can join us. For some reason, if you can't join us live, not to worry, just at the end of the show uh, or, or at a time that's convenient for you, uh, you can just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and just scroll down to see the on-demand section, and all of the previously aired shows, including tonight's, will be there. Uh, you can check them out and listen to it when it's convenient for you, and the most current, which of course will be tonight's, will be right at the very top. But again, for those of you tuning in live, thank you very much. All right, as I mentioned, we've got two great uh, LPJ professionals uh, joining me tonight, Alicia Larson and Jamie Leno-Zimron. Let me tell you a little bit about each of them, and then we'll bring them on and uh, start uh, this evening's discussion. Alicia Larson is a Class A LPJ teach professional and founder and president of Gratitude Golf LLC. She's also author of The Missing Link, uh, The Powerful Role of Self-Talk in the Mind Game of Golf. Uh, she coaches uh, golfers from every level, from beginner, intermediate, right up to the advanced players. Uh, also joining on the panel tonight is Jamie Leno Zimron. She's also a Class A LPJ teach professional. Uh, she's also a sixth degree Aikido black belt. Uh, somatic psychologist, uh, corporate speaker, and mind-body fitness trainer, and she's a Phi Beta Kappa graduate from Stanford University, and she is the creator of the Kiai Golf, the Centered Way. So, ladies, uh, it's the first time I think I've said that in a long time. Uh, welcome to Coach's Corner. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you, Ted. I've got a big smile on my face. This is so special. I'm happy to be with you both. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, normally, you know, we might have one on and with, with a group of guys, and 
And uh, but obviously it's it's hard. And actually, to be honest, we were going to have a third one. Unfortunately, she had another commitment. Uh, Kate Tempesta was going to be on with us tonight. So we actually would have had the, the trifecta of women's golf here on Coach's Corner. But we'll have to work that out another time. But uh, but anyways, I'm always grateful to have both of you on. You, you do a great job. And, and again, as always, I appreciate you giving of your time. So we're going to talk about how to improve accuracy. This is an area that um, you know, everybody's always talking about, well, I want more distance, I want to hit the ball farther, and that's great, but if you're not accurate, whether it be off the tee or off uh, your approach shot or any other part of your game, uh, it doesn't really amount to much. So uh, golfers get certainly initial thrill, if you will, from winding up and smashing the ball as far as they can hit it. We all like to do that. However, golfers soon realize that winding up and trying to blast the ball is foolish. Uh, you may hit the big shot uh, one time in every 10 uh, but that's not very satisfying percentage. That's certainly very low. Uh, learning to pr- improve accuracy is the key to having a long-time relationship with the game of golf, and we all want that. We want to play this for uh, many, many years into our golden years, perhaps, uh, if we're fortunate enough. And the only way to do that is to be accurate uh, with all of your golf shots. So every good golf game starts with this primary, uh, I believe, fundamental, and that's the grip. Um, so, Alicia, I'm going to start with you, and then, Jamie, uh, I'm going to sort of twist things a little bit. We're going to both talk about, uh, let you both talk about the grip, but I want to talk about uh, generally, uh, Alicia, with you first. And, and holding the club with, with a proper grip is, is crucial. Again, there's a variety of different things. Maybe you can kind of give us a general overview uh, of the different types of grips that there are. Um, and, and, again, obviously, everybody's different, so what might be good for one, may not necessarily be good for another, but maybe you can touch on a little bit about the grip in general, um, some of the different types of grips that we have and why it's important that we make sure that that's right. So I, I, I love talking about the grip because I don't think the people, when they, when they play, I don't know if a lot of people, golfers, know the, the, you know, the correlation between the club face and their hands. And, you know, because the club face is the only – only the, your hands are the only thing that are you know connected to the club itself in general. So I tell them that your hands are like the steering wheel in a car when it comes to the golf golf swing. So um, you know I, I've made a lot of. I know there's there's the three different types which you have the you know the ten finger and the interlock and the overlap and you know you can there is, it's a preference when it comes to that and people are like well I like this feel and I like the way this one feels or whatever. Um, I think that. Um, I would tend to navigate somebody if they're not as strong and, you know, or just starting into the 10 finger grip, you know, just to get them started. They can kind of, you know, elevate the, their grip into the interlock or the overlap as they go along. But it, it just gets it, you know, it's a 10 finger. I, I feel that it actually helps people, you know, get a little bit more um, loose with their hands and square the club face up a little bit more. Uh, but I, I actually had a lesson earlier today with, with a lady, and, and I think it's really fun to have them kind of see that when they change their hand position, then, you know, they, they, they move their body part one way, and that actually moves the ball movement. So it changes the ball movement, and it's really it's fun to watch them see that. Like they light up you know, like, a, like a light bulb, and they're like, wow, I did not know that my hands on that club like that would make the ball go right all day long. And so it's kind of fun to change that and let them experiment. And they have to get through that first initial, ooh, this feels really weird kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. they, once they do that and they kind of just experience, experience it a little bit, then they, they start seeing the results of the different, 
way their hands can change how they move the ball or how how it moved the ball just by that doing that. So I, I think it's a really important factor. Now there's there's grips out there, you know, like that are really strong, and then there's some that you know they just they, they might be a little more to the weak side or you know not as neutral or whatever. But um, I think for the masses in general, I try to stay with more of the neutral and just show people like here's here's where your hands kind of there's some checkpoints that I go through with my students and and then they kind of feel it and I have those formulated grips too that help them get the feel for that too so um, I, I love how they when they learn that correlation between hands and club face and how it's in control of that and once they have that awareness of the club face too that improves things right well said and, and Jamie there's another you know factor as well why you know, really near, uh, zeroing in on making sure the grip uh, is is going to be functional. Uh, from the standpoint, it affects the the way your wrist cock in the backswing and in the follow through, and that's equally important. And again, certainly modest modifications to the grip. Maybe again, as uh, Alicia pointed out, whether it be a more neutral grip, maybe a little weaker grip for those that have very strong, uh, particularly for some men that have very strong forearms and very strong hands, can kind of get away with maybe even a little weaker grip because they don't want to overpower. Uh, somebody that's maybe on the opposite side might need to favor a little stronger grip. So we, we, we've touched on that, but there's another area as well, as I was pointing out, with how the, the, the hands hinge in the backswing and in the follow-through, again, helping to square that club face through to impact. Maybe you could touch a little bit more on that and if somebody is struggling in that area, what are some things that they should notice that's going to tell them it's my grip? These are such great topics, and getting into getting into some details. So thank you um, both for this. Um, so how the hands hinge is is very very important, as you said. Um, you know, I practice Aikido, right? Martial arts, and we have this mm -hmm. uh, movement. It's called Kokyu, K-O-K-Y-U. That means breath power. And what's so interesting is if you put your fingers in a bowling ball, the way that they uh, hold and then the way your hand is, that would be a Kokyu. That's the exact same movement. And I call it Coca-Cola. Not that I'm an advocate of Coca-Cola, but what that means <laughs> is, if uh, you know, we talk about take a drink, right? So if you put your hand, this is for everybody at home, I uh, can just uh, try it. You can actually have a, a glass or a cup, or you can just pretend you do. But the way that you put your hand around it, and then you would just um, cock your wrist, hinge your wrist, so that you could tip it, and the liquid would go in your mouth. If, mm -hmm. and that's really the way that we want to hinge our wrist. So, um, you know, you extend straight out the target line, the club, and then it's like hinging your wrist. It would be if you were to take a drink. And so you could even turn your head. What, how would your wrist hinge with your hand around that, that glass or that cup so that you would get the Coca-Cola or, you know, carrot juice <laughs> into your mouth, yeah? And uh, you mm -hmm. wouldn't want to have your elbow up or have your wrist go kind of sideways, because then the liquid would spill over here or spill over there. But the way that your wrist would hinge is holding that cup and hinge right at the wrist so that you could take a drink, yeah? 
And that's the same is yep. true on the other side in the follow through. In fact, um, I I have a book that I put together of like freeze frame photos of uh, tour pros, and I have a beautiful picture actually of David Tom's in a bunker, and at the end of his swing, and the way that he's got his wrist hinged is exactly that sort of uh, Coca Cola or have a drink. Uh, I think that's the way it's been said in golf before. Um, Coke you, Coca Cola, yeah. But so the way, and then that's dependent are related to how you've actually gripped the club. So that if you've got a lot of people have their right hand sort of under gripped, so they're looking at their palm or they're looking at their fingernails, and you shouldn't be seeing your fingernails. You should be seeing two knuckles on your right hand, two knuckles on your left hand. That's another good check. If you're seeing your fingernails, that's a bad sign. <laughs> you've got your hand turned in such a way that it's going to turn the face of the club, um, and it will create difficulty in bringing that club back square on the golf ball. So I, I hope that that helps. It's a little hard to just describe mm-hmm. it in words. I'm sitting here, you know, showing it as I'm talking, trying to describe that motion. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's very important how you grip the club and, you know, more neutral grip or, again, where you're seeing your, uh, the classic thing. And I learned it, you know, years ago when I was a kid, see two knuckles on the right hand, two knuckles on the left hand. You shouldn't be seeing your palms and your fingernails. That's not too good. Or one hand so over-rotated that you're seeing three or four knuckles, and then that means the other hand's under-rotated. Now you can't get that hinge, that sort of Coca-Cola, I have a drink hinge. Um, Just one more comment, and that is that Mm -hmm. I remember seeing this incredible uh, view from a blimp of Michelle Wee. And uh, looking down at her, and she had the club at the top of her swing, and her club was exactly from the top parallel to the target line. So if you would put a club on the ground where the ball is on the target line, and then you uh, would make a parallel line of seeing her club exactly parallel and hinged perfectly, not turning this way or that way. And it was just a gorgeous picture from the blimp to see those uh, parallel lines. You know, it, it's it's interesting, too, because uh, – well said, too, Jamie. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because, again, people don't realize the importance of the grip. And, again, if, you're, if your hands are not working together in unison, it creates a myriad of problems. And this is more often than not, if you look at most golfers – now, obviously, other things uh, ultimately can be affected as a result of that. But, again, your hands are the – the only part of your body that is connected to the golf club. So if they're not on correct, then areas in your backswing and even in your follow-through are going to be uh, affected. Uh, and give you a good example, Alicia, we're going to talk about um, the next step here is something to, again, help with the accuracy, is aligning your, your shoulders uh, with the target. Uh, they should be perpendicular to where you want the ball to go. Uh, Maybe you can touch on a little bit some of the mistakes that people do with their shoulders um, in, in aligning them, and maybe you could even offer, and again, I know we don't have the visual uh, component here, but uh, as best you can, maybe you can kind of give a general overview of, of how they really should work in unison to uh, your body, but also how they should work uh, in relationship to your target line. Uh, people get this confused. I know you understand what I'm talking about, so maybe you can shed some light on that. Yeah, I I think that um you know when when I talk about the the in a dress position and you know like your right hand is lower than your left on the grip um then your shoulders should be slightly tilted uh at a dress it's it's um sometimes people can get 
their shoulders. I just had a gentleman that he, you know, we talked about his, his, he's a left-hander, so his left shoulder was getting really high and not parallel to the target line. And, and so we, we started getting, I said, I want to see more of your right arm when I'm standing behind him. And then he started getting really stiff with his right arm. And then he, you know, he started creating a little bit more tension in his dress position than he needed. And he goes, I think it was just because I was really trying to, you know, have that idea of thinking more of, you know, showing you this arm from, from down the line. And, and that sort of kind of got him into a really bad shoulder position. And he was, you know, leaving everything out to the left as a left-hander. And so he just kind of, his shoulders just got a little kittywampus. So it's, it's, it is really important. And I say, you know, you, you want to, you can have that little bit of tilt at a dress, but you, you, I try to get people to be like parallel from, from the ground up. So you have the parallel with your toes and your knees and your hips and your shoulders and your eyes and kind of try to keep all of those parallel lines intact so that when you come back to impact, you know, you're, you're more in a position to, swing down the line than you are swinging, you know, left or right. And when you're talking about direction and accuracy, you know, my, my instructor and coach for years said there's only two things that make the ball go left and right, and that's path and face. So you got to kind of figure out which one it is and, and then go from there. But I think shoulder, shoulder movement, I think people don't, they don't, they don't know too much about that either in that area. And they, they kind of, they, they don't really know how that drives it too. So the hand's, you know, like the steering wheel, but your shoulders, in a sense, are play a you know a pretty doggone important role too. So, right, I couldn't agree more. And and Jamie, the other thing uh, too, just to, to sort of add on to what Alicia said, is uh, again the importance of of that alignment. You know, a lot of people might say, well, wait a minute, if I if I've got to be parallel to my target, which we often hear the old terminology, kind of like a railroad track. You know, your target line is one track, and then your, your body alignment is another track. Um, well, then how do you explain somebody like Elite Trevino or some of the others that have an open uh, body alignment to their target line? And what most people don't realize is they actually, somebody like Elite Trevino, as an example, has to reroute their uh, swing or their path, if you will, in order to accommodate that, to be able to hit the ball uh, you know, straight or, or in the direction that they want uh, to their target. So when people see that, get, they get confused. So maybe you can kind of explain a little bit for more of the modern golfers particularly that don't spend as much time as, say, somebody like a Lee or some of the others that have uh, a little bit different body alignment to what we traditionally talk about. Uh, they're obviously out there working their, you know, their buns off out on the range hitting literally thousands of golf balls making these uh, adjustments. This is something that we don't want the average golfer to do. So maybe you can touch a little bit more about body alignment in general, uh, not just the shoulders, but body alignment and why it's important for our modern day golfers. Sure. Well, if you think about the word alignment, it's got line in there, right? (laughs) So we talk about lining up and we want to, and we have a target line there's a line to the target, whether that's down the fairway for your drive or, you know, on the green to the pin, rolling the putt up the line or straight to the hole if it's a straight putt. There's a line. And uh, the way we take the club back, we impact. Impact, the club face needs to be square. And then hopefully we stay kind of centered. We stay down, quote, unquote, and extend our arms straight down the line, fully extend them so that the ball can shoot out. To me, I call it like, it's like a cannon, right? We want to launch the ball down the target line. So 
I think personally, I like to teach my students to their swing um, along the target line. There's sort of a hitting zone, which is the straight back, square impact, straight through. Now then there's some circular motion, right, because we got to keep turning and, and following through. But that impact zone is pretty, it's like a putt, a short putt. Straight back, hit it square, straight through. Um, we, and that's true as well on uh, even the circularity of longer shots, right? But the idea is that we need uh, to be aware of the target line and launching the ball straight and with a square club face. So those things are important. Now you have exceptions like Trevino or Jim Furyk, right? The classic, whoop to do boom. But he still drops it back in so that, uh, you know, into this little slot so that he can square the club face. You can't escape that this, the club face needs to be square or straight and impact. I mean, unless you're working the ball on purpose, a little fade or a little draw. Um, and so, you know, those are the principles. And for the vast majority of people with, you know, Furex or Trevino's being um, an exception and who practice it so that they make it work. But the vast majority of people, it helps to have your feet parallel to the target line, right? Your toes are parallel. And they're mm-hmm. also um, matched up with each other. You know, uh, some people, because of body issues and problems, you know, their back or their knee, whatever, may pull their right foot back a little. Or if you're trying to draw the ball or put the right foot up a little ahead of the left foot, you're trying to purposely create a path that's going to sort of, you know, cut across and create a slice. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, right, we want to have the feet mm-hmm. parallel to the target line. The hips are stacked over that parallel with the feet. And then the shoulders are stacked over that parallel. So we have parallel, parallel, parallel. And, uh, you know, a, a, a neutral, we call it grip, um, you're not weak, not strong, not turn this way or turn that way. So when we set up, in a square kind of a way and an aligned parallel kind of a way. Again, vast majority of people, vast majority of shots. There's always some exceptions for body types, um, and there's always some exceptions to the shot that you're hitting or the lie that you have, a hill or, you know, whatever. Um, but so that's majority of the time, line, 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 yeah? And the word line is in target line. It's line in alignment. So we ought to really pay attention to that. Uh, when you look on uh, on TV, when they're showing the, the putt, the line of the putt, right, it starts out, even if it curves, it starts out straight. There's a line that we, we um, launch the ball on, and we let it turn if it's a putt with the, the contour of the green or with the uh, direction of the wind or that sort of thing. But for the most part, we want to set it up so that we're aligned, stacked up, parallel, set it up well so that we can give ourselves the greatest chance of bringing the club face square at that moment of impact, which is going to give it that straight launch. Right. And, and ultimately, again, we want to improve our accuracy. And it, it all starts at the beginning. It, you know, this is where I think most amateurs really struggle with is what we're talking about here is they want to improve their accuracy. And unfortunately, the cold hard reality, as I pointed out a moment ago, is our modern-day golfer does not spend as much time practicing some of the things that they're being taught. So when they are out there, it's even more important that they're doing things correctly. Um, again, you know, Jim Furyk and Lee Trevino and, and I'm sure some of the ladies' tour as well uh, over the years had uh, maybe a less traditional uh, approach to the game. Um, it worked for them but they spent a lot of time, Jamie, as you pointed out, 
working on those things to get it right. Our modern-day golfer, as I said, doesn't have that time in most cases. And if you're going to address some of the issues that they had to address, you've got to be able to spend that time. And if you can't, you're going to run into all kinds of problems. Um, Well said, ladies. Um, Alicia, I'm coming back to you. And and here's one that typically sort of follows into, uh, again, helping with the accuracy as well. And, And there's, you know, as we look at today's golfer, some may or may not, especially instructors, may or may not agree with this, but I'm going to read you something here, and then I want to get your thoughts. And then, Jamie, I want to get your thoughts as well on this. So the next one is they talk about uh, to leading your swing. Uh, and, again, we're talking about for right-handed golfers here. You can just flip it around for, for left-handed golfers. Um, for right-handies or righties, um, you lead your swing with your left hand. Even though the hands are on the club together, your left uh, – and your right hand uh, essentially, ha- it's always been referred to as sort of supplies the power upon impact. Uh, but typically, the left hand should do most of the work on the backswing and as you begin your approach to the ball. Um, does that still apply to today's modern game? Because we often hear, well, really, you should sort of take away with both. But there was a reason why they wanted you to sort of use that left hand dominant, again, for right-handed golfers, uh, going into your backswing, and as you transition coming into impact, uh, at which point then your right hand helps to deliver uh, the power uh, through impact. What are your thoughts here, uh, Alicia, with, with what I just said? Do you agree with it? Do you think it's changed in, in a more modern game, or what are your thoughts in general? Yeah, I, I think, oh boy, I've said so many times in my teaching that, you know, this is a, this, this could be a, a, a fun debate if you get a bunch of golf pros in a room and if they have different, you know, positions on taking <laughs> just, just let them hear each other out and see who thinks they won that battle. But it's just, it's just a fun, I love it because it's, it's really, um, I have never taken a, I, I've kind of used the, you know, both of them are pretty important, but I do think there's a huge factor in, in one of, in when we're talking about this and that's the strength of the golfer. And so, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when you have somebody who's not, like, strong enough to actually do some of the, you know, the impact position stuff that you just talked about with the left side, you know, I may be asking them physically to do something that, you know, I may be asking them to do something, you know, mechanically that they physically can't do. Um, so I, 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 like, I, I agree, you know, that the, the body type is a, is a big deal as far as that goes, but I, you know, there's always the left side and the right side in a golfer and doesn't matter, you know what body type they have, but um, I just feel like there's a, I kind of take that on a, 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 a student by student basis, um, just from the standpoint of the physical conditioning. That's why I got a, you know, I got a, a physical strength and conditioning coach in my facility and said, look, and, and, you know, all of a sudden, all, you know, I, you know, a whole bunch of my students are his clients now because they are, they're starting to see the importance of that. Um, but I would say, you know, when you're talking about, impact position, you know, I, I oftentimes have a student take go to the top of their backswing and then I, I have them come back down and stop, you know, in slow motion obviously, but stop at impact and and then they come back right back down where their body is and the face is dead right, you know, with a driver. And it's like, oh, wow, that's mm-hmm. going to, you know, my one way right. Or then you have them come back and, you know, square that thing up and, they're, you know, have have their body like feel like you're, I always say like hit the ball to, you know, hit the hit the ball and hit the wall. Or hit the wall to hit mm-hmm. the ball. So I, you want to feel like you're 
you know, coming right up to that wall and you're in one, you know, one line there and your hands precede the club head a little bit. But, uh, you know, and, and then there's sometimes where, you know, the, the right hand is so late that you have to, you know, you got to work on something like that or they get stuck behind with their, you know, their right, their right elbow stuck into their ribs and stuff. You know, so there's just different things that, you know, and I kind of, I kind of look at the student, and I think that might be a, maybe a bailout with that, that answer with that question, Ted. But no, <laughs> um, I just think it's so debatable. You know, I just love I love that one because it's just it's well. It's, I I guess I, the best thing is I look at it as a you know kind of a, a individual basis, and you know see. But I'll talk about maybe both to that student at some point in their you know in their time with me. You know, down you know if they work with me for years, we'll we'll talk about both of them. And so you know the impact bag is good. You know that's the left side and. So it's all all that. There's just a, they're, I think they're both critically important, in my opinion. Definitely not a bailout. Uh, well said, <laughs> Jamie. I want to add. I want to. No, no, no. And you're exactly right. Obviously, anything that we talk about, really, uh, you, you know, I've said this many times on the show. We don't want to put everybody sort of in the same box when it comes to how we teach them, because everybody learns differently, and everybody. But I think that the general idea or or methodology behind the statement I made, Jamie, is this. I think initially what we're trying to create is, a, is twofold. First off, by again, we're going to talk about right-handed golfers, so for you lefties out there, you just you know, use the opposite uh, terms, if you will. But uh, essentially what we're trying to do with golfers is, again, twofold. First, we're trying to create a wide arcer, a, a wide arc, excuse me, uh, in the backswing, and to do that, we need to have our right hand a little bit more passive in the backswing. Now, obviously, it's connected. The reason for this is if the right hand is too dominant, then quite often what we see is a golfer will pick the club up um, instead of swinging it back. The other thing is, again, coming through, we don't want the, the right hand, again, to become too dominant, and often what happens is if it's too dominant – a lot of golfers will come outside and cut across the ball. So that's, I think, the methodology in, in that statement that I read. I want to get your thoughts, Jamie. Do you agree with that? Uh, do you understand basically what I'm saying initially as to why uh, a lot of instructors say, you know, you want to feel like you're taking the club away with your left hand and then applying your right hand more through impact to give you that power? Does that make sense? It does, and I will give you my thoughts since you're asking for them. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I have a couple of thoughts. Well, one is this is interesting. Uh, Shirley Spork, who is one of the 13 founders of the LPGA and one of only two still alive, about to turn 94. So she was the guest speaker today at the Women in Golf Industry uh, Zoom session. It was great. And she was asked eh, a question about golf swings and, uh, you know, through 70 years, right? Uh, 1950 mm -hmm. founded uh, the LPGA 59, the teaching division. She's like the the queen of all mentor teachers um, in golf, so she's great. And um, she said, you know what? There's kind of a different style, uh, like a mode, like you know, 70s bell bottoms, right? <laughs> but there's like um, mm -hmm. a different, every 10 years, there's kind of a bit of a, a different um, idea on a golf swing, and it changes. And one thing she said is, um, you know, the controversy used to be, are you a pusher or a puller? You know, do you push the ball or push mm -hmm. the club away? Do you pull down with your left hand? Do you pull the club down? So sort of are you a push or pull in that regard, not left or right, but do you push or pull the club? And another one, you know, mm -hmm. are you a 
are you a hitter or are you a swinger, um, a sweeper of the ball? So, you know, there's those kinds of distinctions in a sense that we make. Um, Looking at the left and the right hands, I do know what you're talking about. I'm going to add another dimension, and that is the Mm -hmm. lower body. So for me, it's not – I think that we have too much emphasis on the hands alone and that the hands determine Mm -hmm. everything. Yes, they are what's connected to the club, and, you know, turning them makes a big difference. However, um, I think we put so much emphasis on the hands and the shoulder that we don't have nearly enough emphasis on the lower body. And I know I'm not alone in this. Jack Nicklaus, arguably the greatest golfer of mm-hmm. all time, or one of them, uh, was all about the lower body. He said that golf is played between the arches of your feet, not that little yep. few inches between your ears, uh, and not in your, your shoulders and your hands. <laughs> golf is played between the arches of your feet, and that's what engages your, uh, your knees, your hips. So that's lower body. In every sport, if you, and I take my students, I take everybody through, throw a ball, pretend you're going to hit a home run or uh, throw a 100-mile-an-hour pitch or a forehand in tennis or, you know, uh, whatever. It's uh, every sport, it uses the feet and lower body and then the upper body. The lower body is strong and it's got, it, it initiates turn and wind up. Then the upper body has, is connected. And so our hands get a lot of their signals from the, the feet and the lower body, not really the other way around. Golf is very much taught the other way around. Take it away with your hands. Take it away with your shoulders. The body will follow. And my experience, and, you know, I'm speaking as a six-degree black belt here, which is to say martial arts is really about generic principles of movement, and it's lower to upper body. So the hands are getting a lot of signals. I consider the arms and hands like branches and leaves on a tree. They don't, know, they don't know what to do. They grow because of roots and trunk. That's our feet and our trunk of our body. And then that, uh, the information comes from there. We have to practice the connection and the sequence of movement and energy flow from the lower to the, the trunk and then to the upper body, the shoulders, hands, and arms. But, um, you know, our hands alone, first of all, they lack power. Second of all, they lack knowledge. They don't know where to go when we're struggling. Are we, you know, too upright? Are we too inside? What do we do? No. If you work, as uh, Jack Nicholas said, from the arches of your feet, you set the upper body and the shoulders and the hands in motion. So that kind of takes away a little bit of, you know, am I too much right hand, too much left hand? Am I pushing, pulling it with this hand, that hand? Um, so I'm, I'm coming at a different angle, Ted, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and so I hesitate to talk about the hands separate from the feet and the lower body. Mm-hmm. So it's, for me, it's lower to upper body. And if we can train that and, uh, we, we a lot of things resolve themselves. Of course, we have to have connection, but connection happens pretty naturally when you start lower to upper body. It happens naturally when we're running around tossing a ball or playing tennis or whatever. Because we're standing still, it seems like we don't have footwork or lower body, but we totally do, and we do have that same sequence of motion as we coil and into the backswing and take the club away and then uncoil and bring the, the uh, club down with our arms and hands. So I can't, you kind of can't separate it, at least in my view. Yeah, and that is a, an excellent point as well because you're exactly right. You know, if you if you try to, whether it's throwing a baseball or something, uh, and not engage the lower body, uh, it's it certainly you can you know hit the ball or you can swing the club, uh, whatever the case may be, or throw the ball. 
uh, but you're not going to get the same effect because your lower body is not engaged. So you're exactly right. The hands do play a role, um, as you pointed out, but again, it's as a result of other movements uh, that engage them at the right uh, time because, again, you want to feel like your upper body is reacting to the um, coiling and uncoiling uh, from your lower body. And quite often, you're exactly right, Jamie, we get caught up with um, the hands and how they need to be engaged and how they need to do this and they have to be in this position and that position as opposed to as a result of an overall movement. So, uh, again, if you want to be accurate... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, if anybody skis, you know, you, you turn your skis, then you put your poles. So feet, pull, feet, pull. If you put your pole down and then try to do your, your feet, that's when you fall over. You get top-heavy. Golfers are top-heavy. If you ride a horse, you sit and you're comfortable and you use your legs. You talk to the horse that way. And then you can be very light on the reins, a little tug this and this one and that one, and the horse knows to go right or left. But if you don't have that that fullness and connection through your body and you're being tense and tight in your hands and pulling with your arms you know the horse balks they don't like that and it's the same thing we can be more relaxed and our upper body kind of knows what to do when we're really present and using our lower body and our core properly right again well said uh alicia i'm going to come back to you we've got just a couple of more points uh but i want to uh, again, these are areas, uh, it's not necessarily that they're right or wrong. Again, it's uh, everything subject to interpretation. But they're points that often get in the way, if you will, with golfers and can affect the overall accuracy. And this one particular here is we've often heard keep your head down as you swing your club. Many golfers, uh, and certainly not just the beginners, are anxious to see results of their swing. So as a result, they pick up their heads uh, rather quickly and do not make solid contact with the ball. So how does the head play in, into this as well? Maybe touch on that a little bit. And then, uh, Jamie, I've got something separately that I want to ask you. Uh, you're certainly welcome to chime in afterwards, but uh, I have a specific question for you uh, separately from this. So talk about really how the head, uh, Alicia, uh, sort of uh, factors in here uh, in the golf swing. Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, topic of conversation, and I I can tell when people have been um, have been drilled on keeping your eye on the ball and keeping your head down because they just keep it down forever. And and I'm like, so tell me what things you're you know like who you play golf with, and they'll say, oh, I I know I have to keep my eye on the ball and I got to keep my head down, and then they'll watch my golf ball for me, so I don't even have to worry about where it goes. So they're just like they they lose so much in my opinion. They lose so much. Of the of the like the kinetic energy that you get from the ground up and the and the footwork and because they're so planted and so like like there's four foot posts in the ground underneath their feet. Um, but I think what I what I created was a, a fun little acronym or just maybe not an acronym, but it was just a little fun thing that I said, look, you're going to watch the ball four times, and I call it the four watch system. And I said you're going to watch the ball when you're addressing the golf ball and you look at it, right? You're looking at, it, you're watching it. And you get to the top of your swing, and you're probably still going to be looking at the ball. And then you're going to watch it when you hit it. And then you get to come out of that swing and watch it go fly down the fairway. So there's like, you know, there's four times that you're going to watch that golf ball. But a lot of times they just don't, you know, we know they can't bypass 
the third part of that because if you do and you pull out of it, you know, so it's like you have to stay in that. I talk about more of the posture, not the head per se, as much as the like your head's connected to your shoulders, but I say stay in that posture position through impact a little bit more through impact and then and then you can come up and watch it. But sometimes when you get your head down there too too low, you know, too chin on your chest and all that stuff, they start running into their shoulders. They start, you know, taking that spine tilt and, and altering it and moving, you know, stand up two or three inches on the backswing and now they gotta go back down two or three inches on the on the downswing. So it gets really the variables get to be too risky and too much. Um so I, I really like to talk about that and explain why I do agree with keeping your head down and keeping your eye on the ball to some extent, but then I think it just takes it, people take it to, to the extent and they overdo it too much. Um, and then that just, I think it becomes a hindrance, not a helping thing for them. Uh, again, a great point. Um, and, you're, and you're exactly right. I think a lot of times when we articulate something to our students, I think sometimes they they take things literally. You know, when Jack mm-hmm. Nicholas uh, use him again very quickly, you know, he talked about keeping his head down and how his, uh, you know, instructor Jack Grout used to sort of grab his hair and keep his head down. Yeah. Well, part of the reason was, was not that he was trying to force his head from making any movements, because there are obvious movements that the head uh, mm-hmm. will make naturally. But what essentially yeah. he was trying to do was prevent him from sneaking a peek and, and not coming through impact properly. And that was really the purpose of doing that. And, and Jamie, you know, I, I want to move on to uh, another topic, but it kind of ties in with this, um, you know, and that is to finish uh, your swing naturally with a high sort of follow through uh, and, and as we transition through impact. And, you know, I, I'm often think of, of uh, and unfortunately I'm old enough to remember this, but in the earlier, uh, you know, 60s and 70s when uh, a player – uh, quite notably from California, Johnny Miller uh, was playing. Uh, he had really incredible head movement uh, as he followed. He had a great finish in his golf swing, uh, of course, by today's standards, because he had a, a, a reverse C, didn't help his back out. But if you ever watched his golf swing in slow motion, as he came through impact and started in his follow-through, his, his head actually felt like it was connected uh, and slowly started to rotate as he came into the into his finish. So talk about that a little bit. Um, you can certainly add about the head movement as well if you'd like. But again, the importance of really following through the swing, because we see a lot of amateur golfers, they come in, they get into the backswing pretty good, and then they come down and kind of thump the club into impact and then really don't have much of a follow-through. Obviously, that's important, and there's a couple of reasons why. Maybe you can touch on some of those and certainly add in the, the head movement there if you, if you so choose. Sure, yeah. I think I can tie a few things together here, and also uh, what Alicia was talking about. I love the four-watch four system. So for me, for me, um, keep your head down. Uh, and it's not like it's just like, ah, yeah, it has to stay there and you can't budge at all. But the principle, again, I'm always into principles. The principle is having like the sun in the middle of the solar system. What I mean is that the golf swing is round, right? It's an orbit. And you've seen all those trainers where you've got this big circular deal, right? So um, mm-hmm. I, to keep the integrity of that orbit, uh, you need a solid center. That's the sun in the middle of the solar system, so the planet can go around in its orbit. If the sun was moving around or a revolving door in a building, it's got a strong center column, and then we can go around in a nice smooth circle. 
So that's the idea for me of your head down um, or keep your head pretty solid in the center. Now it may move a little bit back. Sometimes it goes a little bit, not a lot, up and down. If we sit down a little bit, it's coming in the impact kind of thing. But for the most part, it stays centered uh, at address, back, through, impact, till the arms are extended past impact and the ball is sent down the line accurately. We're going back to accuracy, you know, to where to the target. So all that's good. Now, as you're talking about, and, and that, again, that's to keep the integrity of the orbit of the swing so it's not choppy. It's like having a hubcap, um, you know, a, a hub in the middle of your wheel so you can roll smoothly down the road, right, and even spokes. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the idea there. But then um, <clears throat> as you were talking about, Johnny Miller, or as Alicia was talking about, as you're coming up and finishing your swing, well, the head has to come up. It can't stay so long. Like, you know, you'll, you'll block yourself. You'll, you'll stop the follow-through. You and so you want the head to start coming up as all that momentum. We have to remember there's a lot of power and speed coming through as we're releasing into the ball and swinging, yeah, I mean, up to 100 miles more an hour, um, club head speed. So, you know, uh, the thing is, is that head comes up, the timing of it's important. Here's the other thing that I find really, really important is that you want to finish so that the old belt buckle, your belly, to me, it's your center, is facing down the target line, right, facing to your target. Mm -hmm. And uh, you want your head squarely and your eyeballs <laughs> or you're looking squarely on top of your shoulders. What I find a lot is people don't follow through kind of all the way or they, they've got their head, their neck kind of tilted, and it's a principle I call form and flow. So they form themselves not all the way following through, and if you see where the head is looking, it's looking to the right. And guess where the ball's going? Right. Or if they just mm -hmm. whip around, right, this sort of duck hook thing, well, their eyes and their head are turned left and they're looking left. This is another time we're square, we're parallel, we're down, down the target line. Your head, your eyeballs are straight on top of you, your body. They're not, it's not crooked. We're looking off to the right or left because that means your shot is crooked. So I hope that makes some sense, um, you know, just in words, and people can picture that. It's very important that as you release and your head is coming up after impact that you come up to square. Now, um, Annika Sorensen was very famous for letting her head come through um, even sooner. She's one of the only people who did it, and she had this really smooth, effortless swing, and she did kind of a different idea and just swing and turn her head, and it was a beautiful thing to see. Um, she worked on it. Maybe we could all work on that. I don't know that everybody's going to transition to that, but that's another option, and she was very famous for making that work. But the idea is that release, you know, and, and she, and if you look at her, she, again, she was stacked up square and looking straight down the line. You know, and everything, followed, every, right, uh, again, well said. You know, ladies, action has has to have some reaction. And a lot of times we see, uh, again, as we pointed out here tonight, um, really how we have to approach things if we want to improve. And, and first and foremost, we always encourage people to get out and practice these you know, different movements that we're talking about. And, and ultimately, as I said in the very beginning of tonight's discussion, we want people to you know, be accurate. I would much rather sacrifice some distance on the golf course to gain accuracy because ultimately it doesn't matter how far I hit the ball if I can't keep it in play or if I can't hit it to my designated target uh, area or certainly within a, a reasonable period uh, or proximity. 
And a lot of golfers spend too much time, you know, trying to, you know, as though they were driving a car and stepping on the throttle and giving it gas to get down the highway faster. Um, but they don't have their hands on the steering wheel and they're going all over the place. So you might be going faster down the highway, but you're not steering with any sort of accuracy. And so a lot of times I would like to see golfers um, reverse that course um, and focus more on being more an accurate player. You know, I've heard a lot of people, and I think this is a terrible analogy, is, you know, let's teach people to, to hit the ball as far as possible and then work on the accuracy. I disagree with that. I've heard some people say that. I've seen it in, in uh, you know, different areas of promotion. And I think that's a very, very, um, in my opinion, wrong way to approach this. I think as instructors, I think we need to get people to focus on being more accurate, even if it means sacrificing distance, and then helping them through a variety of different ways uh, not just swinging faster, but also, uh, you know, through uh, stretching and through other exercises that are going to strengthen uh, their core and other parts of, of their body to help them gain that distance uh, while not, at the same time, not sacrificing their accuracy. So I think that's something that we, we have to really focus on. And these are some of the things that we talked about tonight, I think, can help that. Starting off with a good grip, making sure that you're aligned properly. Alicia, as you pointed out, making sure your posture is correct and then making sure that all of the components are working uh, in the proper sequence, you know, not forcing your head to stay down, uh, but as a result of uh, proper movements. And uh, again, coming into that nice full finish where we're facing the target and not sort of, you know, askew looking right or left um, and, and sacrificing, again, the accuracy. So these are things that I think if people really focus on, and I strongly urge listeners out there, if you're not working with the professional uh, you know, uh, whether it be PGA or LPGA, uh, get out there and connect with somebody and get them to assess your game where you're at now, and they're going to be able to identify some of the areas, some of the, which we've talked about here tonight, uh, is going to maybe help you increase uh, and improve your accuracy, and I think your overall enjoyment of the game will be much better. Ladies, you guys uh, both did a great job uh, with tonight's discussion. I appreciate it, and I'm going to give you each uh, a moment or two uh, to let the folks know where they can reach uh, you guys uh, if they want to reach out and connect with you. Um, Alicia, why don't you go first and then Jamie. Sure. Uh, thank you again, Ted, for having me on. I always love being on your show and talking golf, so that's, uh, that's always a privilege and an honor. Um, uh, you well, can I reach out to me at uh, www.gratitudegolf.com, and uh, that you can email me or my phone number's on there. And uh, currently I live in Columbus, Ohio, but in about a month or two, I will be living in Pensacola, Florida. So if anybody out there is in the Pensacola area and they want to get a lesson from me, I will be in that area. So I'm looking forward to being uh, down there on a permanent basis. And that will be at Very my good. Point golf club. Yeah. So per- I'm excited. Perfect. Uh, and uh, I'm excited for you. I think it's a great area. I know it's a great course. and. And uh, I look forward to you coming down to my neck of the woods uh, or in proximity and, uh, and sharing your expertise. Jamie, what about you? How can the folks reach out to you? And, and is there anything uh, that you got cooking in the next uh, little bit that you want to share? Uh, yeah. Um, I just wanted to toss in a quick comment. Um, you, I agree with you so much. Uh, we have a golf pro friend. She played on tour named Dee Dee. And she used to tell our LPGA girls, I knew I was born to be a golf pro because my name was Dee Dee. D for distance, D for direction. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, as a golf ball, how many times you go, well, I'm 10 high, like whippy-doo, you're in the bunker, you're somewhere, you know, off, but 10 high. So distance is right, but direction isn't. And uh, I can tell you in martial arts, we work on all the basics, but the, that power comes later. So I just uh, thoroughly right. agree with you, Ted. And I feel like we need to be sharp as a samurai, you know, like really have that focus. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk about the focus and all that, but that's such a big part of alignment. Anyway, see when you're in touch with me uh, through my website, kiigolf.com, K-I-A-I, golf.com. You can also get there, point to the same place, the, T-H-E, the Centered Way, center, E-D, the Centered Way.com. And um, my phone number is 760-492-GOLF, 4653. I always say this, I like to talk and, uh, you know, leave me a voicemail or you may reach me and um, I'm happy to get back. Uh, send me an uh, email, Jamie, J-M-I-E, at pigolf.com. And um, I, uh, we've got some interesting things in the works with uh, business and golf uh, trainings. Debbie Wakis and I are working on some great stuff, and uh, I'm doing virtual uh, on Zoom, both lessons and golf mastery schools. So those have been working really well through the pandemic, and I feel like, you know, not going to stop those because they're working so well, and it's possible to work with people uh, everywhere. We don't have, we're not dependent on a physical ability to be in the same place, and uh, we can accomplish all of that, and, you know, golf fitness, and all, everything. So um, I love working virtually, actually. So those are the best ways. Thank you, and thank you both so much. I really appreciate it, Ted. And, Alicia, it's been really fun being with you today. Thank you. All right, well, well, ladies, thank you again. Uh, continue to be safe and continue to do the great work that you do. Um, you're certainly a, a testament to the LPJ organization. You do so much great work, uh, both of you. And I look forward to having you both back here on the Coach's Corner panel on our future show. And maybe we'll arrange to have the two of you on again uh, together. We'll see how we can manipulate the schedule, as I say. But a great job tonight, as always, and uh, much continued success. Hit them straight, right? <laughs> That's right. All right, ladies. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, that was Alicia Larson and Jamie Lano-Zimron, uh, again, both uh, LPJ professionals, uh, always striving to bring their best and to help all of you out there uh, in, increase uh, not only your, your distance, of course, you want to do that, but helping you to be more accurate uh, with your game as well as as Jamie pointed out in closing there, um, you know you, you really want to be more centered and balanced and really focus like a laser, if you will, on on accuracy. Because again, you might hit the right distance, but if you're not accurate, uh, you're, you're really kind of defeating the purpose. So um, if you missed that segment, uh, again at the end of the show, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and scroll down to the on-demand section, and tonight's uh, show, of course, is currently live, uh, but will be in its recorded version. You can listen to that segment again if there's any part that you missed, uh, and as well as any previous episodes uh, that maybe you weren't able to get to before, you can do that. And, of course, uh, Golf Talk Live is available pretty much on most of the uh, other social media platforms, Stitcher, TuneIn, po- uh, Spotify, and, and many others. And we'll give you the full list uh, at the end of the show um, as we close out. Um, very, very excited. I'm going to be joined here shortly uh, by my uh, very special guest, Joshua Dockstater. Uh He is the general manager at Harbor Shores Golf Club in Michigan. Uh, he'll be joining me here in just a moment. But in the meantime, take a listen to 
This message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, and just a quick side note on uh, Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, the current issue went on sale on newsstands April 20th. Uh, you can go to Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, and virtually any uh, newsstand in your area uh, will carry it. Many publics carry it. Uh, many of the major uh, newsstands carry it, uh, not only here in the United States, but uh, many up in Canada as well. Uh, so uh, get out there, and, and if you're curious as to uh, what's on the new issue on the cover, uh, of course, uh, a, a real ambassador of the game and one of my favorite all-time uh, players uh, when I was growing up, of course, I'm talking about the legendary Nancy Lopez is on the cover, uh, on the current cover of Golf Tips magazine, and uh, there's a great uh, article inside, a Q&A actually, that... Uh, uh, as editor of the magazine, of course, I'm referring to yours truly, sent uh, uh, her a, a series of questions, obviously because of the pandemic, and uh, she very graciously sent them back and along with some photos, and we put together a nice uh, overall article. I think it's going to be very, very well received, and um, really enjoy uh, watching her in her career, and she's done so much to give back to the game, and I just felt uh, that uh, the magazine needed to honor her uh, alongside so many other greats of the game. Uh, she's done so much during her, her time on both the LPJ and, of course, on the uh, Legends Tour. Um, but uh, just to give back uh, not only to the organization uh, itself, but to uh, many of her fans and, and just those that have followed her for, for many, many years. And uh, so get out and, and grab an issue, uh, or better yet, as the uh, advertisement said, if you want to get a subscription, go to golftipsmag.com. It's available in both print and or digital, or you can get both. Uh, for those that uh, are a little bit more tech-savvy, uh, you can go under and you can actually order uh, both a print and a digital version. So if you want to have the print for at home or your office uh, and you want to take digital with you on the road, uh, there's that option well, uh, as well. So again, go to golftipsmag.com. All right, my very special guest uh, that, again, is going to be joining me here in just a moment. Uh, his name is Joshua Dockstater. Uh, he is the general manager at the Harbor Shores Golf Club in uh, Michigan. And for over 20 years' uh, experience in the hospitality industry with over 15 uh, relating to golf course and resort operations, uh, he oversees all operations at Harbor Shores Resort and uh, will be assisting with the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship in uh, 2022 and 2024. Uh, recognized as a leader in player development and a top 50 U.S. kids teacher, as designated on their honorable mention list, uh, 2012 PJ Southwest Section Player Development winner uh, for growing the game with programs exceeding uh, 500,000 revenue annually, uh, and experience in brand design and management. 
Uh, please welcome my very special guest, Joshua Dockstader. Good evening, Joshua, and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on this evening. Um, so I've literally just uh, let everybody know a little bit about you. I know there's a lot more, and we can uh, talk about that as we go on. Uh, but maybe just give a little bit more about your background. How did you you know, get involved in the golf uh, industry, if you will, and what was sort of your appeal? What is it about golf that, that you really enjoy? Well, uh, golf has always been a part of my life. Uh, I started uh, messing around with the game when I was about three years old. Um, my dad and my grandfather were huge, or I should say avid uh, golfers, uh, and they got, me, uh, they got me involved at an early age. And some of my earliest memories uh, were on the golf course. Uh, I can reminisce of sometimes, you know, falling asleep on my dad's uh, bag when he was walking nine holes late in the day or something like that, and I would just kind <clears> of <throat> wrap myself around it and take a nap. Um, so, it, like I said, it's, it's been a part of my life, and I knew from a young age that I wanted to be in the golf business. Um, or I should say I wanted to be a, a, I wanted to be on tour. Um, and I had some success playing as a, as a junior. Um, and then, you know, eventually you come to a place and a point where you, you know, that, uh, either you, you have it or you don't. Um, and the next step was basically getting into the business of golf. Um, so at that point I, I made a, a move, uh, after college in St. Louis, went to uh, Phoenix, helped open a property, uh, trilogy of Estancia out there. Uh, worked my way up through the ranks and went through the PGA program, became a, a Class A PGA member, um, was there for about 10 and a half years, uh, and helped develop some uh, significant player development programs uh, that are still in place today there, uh, which I'm very proud of, and then uh, had an opportunity uh, uh, come about to basically take it in a different direction from player development and teaching to get into the executive side of the business and became the general manager at Thornberry Creek at Oneida in uh, Oneida, Wisconsin, which is also the official golf course of the Green Bay Packers. So that was a pretty exciting mm-hmm. opportunity that I had there. And again, worked kind of my way up through the ranks, helped uh, negotiate a LPGA tour sanctioned event, successfully ran that for a couple of years. Um, and then, uh, the opportunity at Harbor Shores came up, and, and honestly, it was one that I couldn't pass up. You know, have, to have the opportunity to continue to be at a, at a you know, number one, a, a beautiful destination facility to help, you know, really take the brand on and, and expand upon it, but also um, be a part of a, a, a senior PGA championship. Um, yeah, that was a, a great move on your part because the Michigan area, for those of you that have been up there, um, it's a beautiful area, and um, again, you guys are right along the uh, the shoreline of, of Lake Michigan. And I know that uh, Harbor Shores, of course, uh, that community is uh, celebrating really a 10 years of, of revitalization. Um, the Whirlpool Corporation, of course, uh, helped uh, with this transition as well. And really, you created a, a, a 900 million, nearly a billion dollar economic transformation of the Lake Michigan shoreline. So, tell us a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, what a little bit about first off Harbor Shores history and how and why it was developed by Whirlpool. Yeah, so uh, Whirlpool, of course, has, has had their headquarters in Benton Harbor, Michigan, since day one. So over 125 years now. Um, of, of being in the area and, you know, as, as time went on and, and there was, 
you know, industry was booming in the 50s and 60s. Benton Harbor became a main hub for that uh, in southwest Michigan, especially with the port and, and things like that. Um, when some of those jobs started leaving and, and heading overseas, uh, they saw a mass exodus in Benton Harbor in the area, and half of the population left along with it. And when mm-hmm. these facilities, factories um, left, they were abandoned and kind of just <clears throat> left in the dust. And Whirlpool was, uh, let's just say, man enough to stand up and say, you know, we're this is our home, we're not leaving, and we're going to do everything we can mm-hmm. to to make sure that it, it, it survives. So it's been decades in the planning process, you know, um, with, with the previous CEO uh, and chairman, uh, David Whitwam, and, and then most recently Jeff Fedig, of seeing this vision through to really, um, as you said, transform the shoreline, you know, take some of these desolate areas, these abandoned factories. Um, you know, when you have your typical facility or golf course averaging around 140 acres and ours is 550, that gives you an idea of how expansive mm-hmm. this project was and this development was to really um, create tourism dollars to the area and create uh, an opportunity for people to explore Benton Harbor, uh, St. Joe, and the shoreline again. And, and you know, I, I commend, you know, Whirlpool on that, and the support is very real. They're, they're very invested and involved today, and, you know, I'm just happy to be a part of it and help lead that charge. So give us an idea of what some of the work that took place, what specifically, if you, if you can share with us, um, did they actually do, um, you know, along the shoreline, obviously, you know, some cleanup and, and so forth, I'm sure was involved, but what specifically were, was part of their vision? What were they trying to accomplish uh, with some of the revitalization? Well, I think mainly it was just bringing jobs back to the area. Um, you know, you, you, you have this world, a worldwide company headquartered in such a small area, but also, you know, I think from an attraction side of things, it's, it's getting people to say, you know, Benton Harbor isn't abandoned anymore, right? And there's things right. going on, and you have all these new opportunities that come up. And then, you know, when you're you, you're recruiting for a company that size, it helps to have an area that people want to be a part of. So the commitment to the community in that respect has been, you know, just phenomenal, you know, with the uh, Boys and Girls Club that was added on, you know, the, the first tee uh, of Benton Harbor, which is at, at Harbor Shores and, and one of the only ones on site and one of the biggest in the Midwest. So, um, you know, when it comes to the actual transformation, you know, over time they picked up parcels that were left behind by these abandoned factories. And um, specifically there's, I can give you uh, some data on number 14, which is along the Paw Paw River, which stretches um, throughout the golf course. Um, there was an old factory that used to produce um, dials for World War II airplanes, and there was a ton of toxic waste that was in in the in basically um, left behind and contaminated the soil there. And um, they removed, I believe, it was 140,000 tons of waste, and you could have filled the football field 70 feet high with the waste that they removed just to clean up that specific site. Um, to, to, you know, again, like I said, clean it up. And, you know, we work with the EPA um, on a quarterly basis. We mm-hmm. come out and test and everything's fine and great. But it's it's interesting because, you know, me not being here the whole time, right, and coming into it and seeing mm-hmm. this this beautiful uh, property and, and there's still a lot more to go and to do and develop. But um, to understand that prior to that, there was some, some areas that were inaccessible altogether and that all of the wildlife and all of those things um, just left the area because they couldn't survive. And now it's all back. And you right. see, um, you see it as you play the golf course. And, and I just think that story, you know, we talk about how golf is great for, 
communities. It's great for business. It's great for all these different things. But, you know, when you're really a part of an organization and a group that really put the investment forward to say, okay, let's do something, and you're creating jobs, you're creating opportunities for, for education, development, and growth, um, that really speaks to really impacting your community and, and the support that they have. And you've got a great place to stay, um, the Inn at Harbor Shores. Tell us about how that came to fruition and what guests can experience uh, during their stay. Yeah, 92-room luxury inn. Um, uh, I believe it's Four Diamond Inn right there on the harbor there. Uh, So you have one side that overlooks the harbor going into Lake Michigan, and the other side oversees the golf course, holes number four and five. Um, you know, a couple of outlets uh, for dining and things like that. Um, and then the top floors also have um, uh, permanent housing opportunities as well. Um, and that came about, you know, again, you know, attracting all these people to the area and, you know, tourism dollars. And, and you know, St. Joe has always been kind of a stop for travelers and things like that. But now, you know, Benton Harbor is right there alongside with it with Harbor Shores and having an opportunity to be able to, you know, um, I guess get what you would expect from what we deliver at Harbor Shores and Harbor Shores Resort, right? Like the experience that we mm-hmm. deliver is 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 far and above um, others in the area. Um, and you know, I think ultimately, you know, when people are um, deciding where they're going to spend their recreational dollars, you know, that definitely comes into play. So uh, the inn was completed right before the 2012 Senior PGA Championship, um, and. Um, since then, I mean, it's it's continued to go like gangbusters and, you know, having a lot of, you know, staying plays and things like that. And we just opened up our new uh, Champions Villa last year, uh, adjacent to the first tee on the golf course and, and hope to expand upon that here in the near future. And I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the golf course. Um, it's not only just it's not just any golf course, but it's a Jack Nicklaus signature course the golden bear himself uh has some handiwork here talk about the course yeah well you know and and just going back to talking about all the different parcels of land that were purchased uh as they were going through the process when mr nicholas showed up on site the first time i believe the direct quote was you want me to build a golf course where um and and so you know just (laughs) kind of learning a little bit about the history and the routings and all these things that he had to go through to create this, this masterpiece. It's the only Jack Nicklaus signature course on Lake Michigan. Um, Mm -hmm. And for anybody who hasn't played it, it, it's four very different terrains, which I think makes it extremely unique. Um, Jack even admittedly said during his, his time in designing Harbor Shores that he was going through a phase of, you know, kind of, crazy mounding and greens and things like that. And if, if you play Harbor Shores, you'll see that. But, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is everybody is uh, remembers the putt that Jack made uh, when Johnny Miller told him he couldn't make it. And I believe it was a 105-foot putt. And that's actually <laughs> our 10th hole at Harbor Shores, which is an impossible putt. I've tried it multiple times. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it just kind of goes along with, with the icon who, who Mr. Nicholas is and, you know, we're just we're happy to be able to have that partnership with him. And, and when, you know, uh, time allows and, and for the Kitchen 8 Senior PGA Championship, he comes back and it's great to visit with him. And, and he really does care about the facility. He cares about the golf course. He cares about the community. Um, and, and it's great to see that. Well, and, and, and just to add to, to that, you know, you, you've got some of the greatest players 
um, you know, that, that obviously many played alongside uh, Nicholas, uh, you know, over his career, uh, are coming back in 2022, as you mentioned, to the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship. You, uh, obviously, Harbour Shores has to be very excited to be hosting a, a event of that caliber. Talk a little bit about that. Um, what are you guys going to do to prepare for that? Um, and for somebody that wants to experience, maybe that has never been to a professional golf event, um, this might be one they want to put in their bucket list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're always preparing. Um, you know, having the opportunity to host a major championship every two years is, is pretty significant. And, you know, we're always doing everything we can to um, – I would say enhance the golf course, you know, from, you know, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that, you know, a lot of the guests on a daily basis may not see, but just from a, a drainage and um, overhaul, let's just say, um, you know, foundationally to the golf course, we've, we've gone through quite a few changes in the last couple of years just to create a better playing surface. Um, but yeah, anytime you get the world's best players uh, at your, at your facility, it's, it's, it presents an opportunity where number one, uh, anybody can play Harbor Shores. So you get the opportunity to see how they play it and manage it compared to how you do, which is completely different, I can tell you that. Um, you know, <laughs> second, it's, it, you know, you see, for me, um, the best players I grew up watching, competing, and they're, they're so hospitable. Um, they're engaging with the fans and things like that. And, and sometimes you don't hear that on the PGA Tour. And, you know, there's definitely guys that, that, that do so. But, you know, these, these guys, they're in their, you know, we'll say their golden years, and they're doing this for fun, and it's it's no longer a grind. So they have a lot more fun doing it. They engage a lot more. And, and if you've never been to an event, I would absolutely encourage you to do so. Come out and, and, and attend the Kitchen ATUPG Championship because it's, a, it's an, an experience you'll never forget. You know, and, and yeah, it, what's really nice about it is, again, you, you, you've got the perfect scenario. Um you know, you've got a great golf course designed by, you know, the Nicholas team there. So obviously that, that adds uh, a very high caliber uh, uh, golf course to the property. You're right on Lake Michigan. So not only do you have access to the water, um, you've got boating access because I know that you, you have a, a marina there as well. And, and from what I understand from reading a little bit, it can accept up to, I believe, a 90-foot uh, uh, yacht, if you will, uh, which is, is pretty big. And, and if you know anybody that's got one, let me know. I'm going to make sure I come up and, and crash it um, but uh, and enjoy it while it's there. But, uh, you know, so there, there's a lot to do. And, and, I mean, obviously, uh, again, you want people to stay there at the inn and, and, and so forth. Um, but it's just a, a great place to come and have a good time, um, whether you're a serious golfer or whether you're family. So, Give us a little bit of an overview, if you wouldn't uh, mind, just some of the other things that folks can experience uh, staying at, at Harbor Shores. Yeah, I think you touched upon it right there. Whether you like golf or not, we have something that caters to every person and every taste. You know, with Southwest Michigan being so uh, populated with wineries, um, of course, craft breweries, um, you know, the, we have our own kayak launch on property there as well. So, you know, there's definitely uh, opportunities uh, to be able to access all these different activities, water sports, of course, being a, a big one. 
Um, but outside of that, we have a 12-mile trail system that goes throughout the property. Um, so if you just want to take a long walk with some of the best views uh, along Lake Michigan and then inland a little bit, I mean, like I said, there's something for everyone there. But, um, you know, I think you hit on it. If you're looking for a place to go where, you know, maybe someone in the in the family isn't a huge golfer, we can definitely accommodate you. Yeah, and, and it's important, too, I think, for a resort such as yourself, uh, again, you obviously uh, are catering to a lot of different folks and you want to make sure that there's a little something there. And, and I see, too, that you guys have, you know, throughout the, the year uh, at various times, you have a lot of events that are going on. Um, uh, you know, you've got everything from a sushi night coming up. Uh, in fact, it's tonight. Uh, and uh, you've got jazz night, you know, Taco Tuesday, all kinds of things. So there's a lot of different events and, and, and different things going on, uh, again, for maybe somebody that's not big in golf but wants to come out and have a great time and great experience. Um, and obviously we have to be mindful with everything going on right now with the pandemic. But, um, mm-hmm. again, you've got a lot of great things and activities going on. Are there some other ones, key ones throughout the season uh, that might be coming up that might be of interest to some of the folks listening that want to uh, you know, start planning their summer trip? What are some of the other uh, maybe main events or, or things going on in your area that uh, they might want to partake in? Well, one of the one of the hidden gems in the community is uh, at, at the golf club at Harbor Shores. Um, every Wednesday and Saturday night we have live music on our patio there. And um, it doesn't get any better than that. You know, the patio overlooks uh, the first tee and the, uh, the putting green there and, um, you know, fire pit and, and all that. I mean, the, the, you don't get a better setting than that. And if you haven't visited um, – southwest michigan in the summer it really doesn't get any better um it never gets too mm-hmm. humid i would say maybe one week a year it gets humid but outside of that it's, it's pretty good and and from a temperature side of things and uh like you said we always have something going on you know whether it, 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 it it's with the resort or not um there's events constantly going on in the area um either in downtown st joe or in the arts district at benton harbor um you know, it, there's so many different places to access and, and, and take a look at those events that are going on on a weekly basis. Yeah, and, and uh, again, you know, there's a little something for everybody. Uh, and there's also, in addition to, for those that maybe want to come and stay short time, uh, you've got the inn and, and other opportunities, uh, but you also have some great real estate uh, uh, opportunities as well. Uh, you have the Harbor Village, uh, some signature homes, and uh, obviously some golf villas and so forth. Tell us a little bit about some of the neighborhoods um, there as well. Yeah, we have multiple neighborhoods spread throughout the facility, or I should say throughout the golf course and the golf course property, um, and they've been they've been doing exceptionally well. Um, the fairways is kind of our signature um, that, that surround holes three, four, and five, um, and I, I believe there's only a couple lots left in that development itself. Harbor Village is our newest development, um, and the builders can't keep up. And that's right there adjacent to the inn, more of a condo-style um, home or townhome. Um, and, and those are right on the uh, in the marina and, and things like that. And there's going to be more developments down the road. Um, but uh, all the other ones are, are sold out. So, you know, um, again, that, that just speaks to the, <laughs> to the investment made in the community in the area. Yeah, and uh, again, I think it's important for you know the listeners to understand that you know it's not just necessarily a place to visit, 
it may be a place you want to call home if you enjoy the water, if you enjoy some great golf, and you enjoy uh, a real sense of community. Um, and it sounds obviously through the revitalization that Whirlpool has done a great job and and really helping to bring a, a community together after you know uh, I'm sure several years of of difficulties with um, you know businesses and so forth moving away. They've really stepped up and said, hey, we this is a great community that we've been a part of for many, many years, and we want to do something to really celebrate that community. And, you know, along comes uh, Harbor Shores um, Resort, and, and they're continuing to, to grow. Are there other things coming down the road um, that Harbor Shores is, is planning on that, that maybe you can share with us or some other things? I mean, you mentioned maybe some, some other additional neighborhoods that may be uh, coming in, but there are other uh, longer-term plans uh, in, in the works that you can share with us? Well, you know, I, I think one of the unique things about Harbor Shores is that over time the, the development and the plans for the development have changed based on the current economic climate and then also mm. what, you know, what really is going to engage people. Um, so with that being said, you know, there are plans for, you know, whether it be additional villas, additional neighborhoods and things like that, which, you know, I, I definitely foresee happening. You know, there have been conversations of, you know, potentially down the road having a short course that uh, goes mm-hmm. in and, and some of these other things. So, you know, without getting, I guess, too far into detail in that respect, sure. um, you know, there, there's going to be continued development and growth through Harbor Shores because it's, there's still parcels that aren't developed yet, but they're going through that planning process. And, you know, when, when they go through that process, there's, there's a lot of time and detail and, and, you know, ultimately, you know, trying to figure out um, what's going to be the best investment and, and what's really going to, you know, be an impact to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this last year, obviously we, we've all had, um, you know, a, a very, for lack of better words, an interesting experience. Um, But through all of that, golf has really, in many ways, um, had an opportunity unlike, you know, that has been seen, I guess, in in many years uh, within our industry, and that is a, a sort of surgence, not through necessarily its own efforts, but just, you know, because of the pandemic, where a lot of folks have, you know, come out to, uh, to play golf, uh, in some cases, for the very first time. So as part of that, as instructors, uh, and I know you're one, we have to really be able to offer some professional instruction to get some of those newcomers. So tell us a little bit about what that experience might be like at Harbor Shores. I know you've got a great facility there, and you've got some great uh, fellow instructors as well uh, that can uh, can help uh, even – the most novice of beginners uh, get a handle on this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, we have we have the first tee of Benton Harbor on site at Harbor Shores. So, you know, we have uh, services over a thousand youth annually um, through the facility um, at Harbor Shores, and then uh, we added PGA Junior League uh, a couple of years ago, and that's that's continued to grow and develop. And you know, just just in that respect, um, you know, when we we reached out to the Michigan section about uh, I guess starting our own team, um, they informed us that we were the only ones in the area, and that we would have to we would have to field four teams and basically play against ourselves to make it happen. Um, so we did that, and now I'm happy to say this year, I believe we're going to be up to 
um, six or seven teams um, that we're going to have on site yeah. at Harbor Shores that, that we manage. Um, we are going to start a new um, – we are going to be a PGA Hope facility this year, um, which engages oh, veterans, uh, um, yep. and, and that will start up this year. Um, outside of that, um, you know, we have – as you said, the facilities there are incredible. You know, we have a full short game area. <clears throat> we have a learning center with two bays. Um, you know, of course, all the technology you need to, to hopefully do things the right way. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, for us, it's an, it's really engaging at a young age. But, you know, this last year we saw so many people returning to golf that had, had been on such a hiatus. And I think right. it, was, it was such an opportunity for us to welcome them with open arms and say, we're glad you're back. Let us let us you know show you what's changed, what's new, um, and, and you know when you look at that, um, and what I look at and see is you know the engagement back in the game and what that relates to in in equipment dollars, into food and beverage dollars, into you know round dollars and things like that, and you know to me it's more important about creating an experience that they want to be a part of and that they want to do over and over again. And, and I, I just go back to, you know, being a kid and hitting a good golf shot and saying, man, I want to do that again. And I think that that's what's important for us and our team and those who instruct and lead. If someone's new to the game, just get them to hit one good shot and, and you got them. And then after that, you just build on that and you keep it going. Yeah. And, and that's so true. It only takes one good shot and uh, you pretty much have them hooked. And uh, it's just a matter of, of, fine-tuning from that point on. You joined Harbor Shores, uh, that team, back in 2019, um, and you obviously saw the potential to not only bring a higher, uh, a more manicured maintenance standard, if you will, to the property, uh, all while elevating the service and food and beverage experiences. What was it that you saw that gave you that uh, thought, if you will, uh, what was it about your experience coming there that you thought, hey, uh, we can do some great stuff here at, at Harbor Shores? Well, I think ultimately, number one, you had you had the property, right? I didn't I didn't have mm-hmm. to do anything from a a major infrastructure change or anything like that. It was ultimately saying, okay, what? Number one, we have a great story. Uh, it's going to be important that everybody on our team knows that story and engages every person that they can to tell them that story. I think that's number one. Um, number two. Uh, just being in any type of business, consistency is, is, is what gets it done. And whether that's consistency of product, consistency of service, delivery, you know, making sure that our teams delivered consistent, consistently on a consistent basis. Execution is everything. And, you know, what the expectation is of our guests, you know, we have a motto around the facility that, you know, any guest who steps on site, we want them to be willing to pay three times as much to do it again. And when you get your team engaged mm-hmm. in that and understanding that they have a major impact on every person's life that, or I should say every person's experience that comes on property, um, they really take that to heart. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that, you know, since putting some of these systems in place and really looking at the culture and the side and that side of things, we've had um, almost a hundred percent retention in all teams. And for a seasonal uh, hospitality business, it's hard to say that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that. You know, we have, like I said, uh, the same – you're going to see the same faces year over year, which sometimes you don't see, but that creates the consistency that, that we were looking for to say, okay, they know the product, they know the expectation, and they can fulfill that expectation. And, and once the, the system is moving in that direction, then you can work on growth and development and expanding into new areas. Are you seeing, with respect to 
um, on the, and I'm talking about on the lesson T, we're seeing a lot of interest by the younger generation, both male and female, particularly female. We're seeing a lot of new female golfers coming out uh, at a younger age, um, which is very exciting, you know, as an instructor. Um, what are you seeing with this next generation of golfer? What is it that they're interested in that you're able to help them with at Harbor Shores? Well, it's funny that you say that because we have seen a we have seen a, a, a growth in young females, uh, not only getting mm-hmm. into the game, but getting engaged in the business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, on our guest service team, we have um, probably a third of our team are, are young ladies who uh, play on the local high school golf teams. And, and we're, again, fortunate enough to be at a facility that can cater to all the local high schools, um, which we cater to three different high schools and allow them to practice and have privileges here and there uh, throughout the year. So we have that direct access and pipeline. But what we're seeing is a lot of them, a lot more of them get more serious about golf um, and really taking the opportunity to work with one of our instructors um, to take it to the next level, ultimately play in college. And we're seeing a lot more of that where it's not just something they're doing in high school. They want to do it beyond that. And I think that opportunity is, is, has, has been um, just exceptional all of, in, in itself. And, you know, in addition to lessons, and I know you offer clinics in that as well, obviously, uh, you know, sometimes teaching in a group is, is beneficial, uh, but you also offer, uh, you know, uh, club fitting in that as well. And that's important, right? I mean, especially mm-hmm. as new golfers come in that have never, you know, picked up a club, they just say, well, okay, I'll just grab this club and start playing. And that might have been, you know, fine when, when you and I were growing up, uh, we, we got away with yeah. that. But really to be a better player, um, club fitting is important as well. And that's something that you guys offer at the facility too, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we're, we're huge uh, supporters of that. You know, we, we carry all the major brands um, that you would find and have everything in stock to be able to fit uh, everybody exceptionally well. And I think, you know, just having that opportunity to, especially being in a small market where, you know, they may not have the opportunity to go to, uh, you know, four or five different places to get fitted. We're, we're one of the only places in the immediate area that can do it and do it um, on a high-level basis to be able to show you the numbers, to pull up the TrackMan reports and, and show you and, and educate, you know, somebody on why spin rates and launch angles and all these different things matter. Um, but, you know, just going back to last year and seeing all these golfers come back to the game, um, it gave us the opportunity, to, like I had said before, what's changed? Well, technology has changed, you know, significantly in the last five years, 10 years, 15 years. And once you get them engaged in that and understanding how important it is to go through that fitting process to, to get the clubs that work for you, I'm all about eliminating excuses. If you eliminate the clubs mm-hmm. as an excuse, you're, you're starting to, to narrow it down after that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, that's just as important as learning the fundamentals and, and the basics of, of the golf swing, and that is making sure that you uh, understand the equipment and that the equipment that you have is right. I mean, uh, you know, it's it it's like so many things. If you don't have the right tools, um, the job is is uh, ultimately uh, so much dip, more difficult. Um, we touched a little bit, but maybe you could expand a little bit more about some of the dining options at Harbor Shores. Yeah, uh, we have you know at the end uh, Plank's Tavern, uh, full service dining um, there uh, overlooking the marina. 
uh, Rise and Vine, which has some breakfast options, coffee, things of that nature. Uh, we have the Grill at Harbor Shores, which uh, is uh, open seasonally and, and, and does brunches in the off-season. But uh, a great venue there with, um, I would say, more of an intimate dining setting, but then a patio that is probably one of the best in southwest Michigan. Um, you know, so there's, there's, there's plenty of dining opportunities in that respect. On the golf course, we have a, uh, uh, an outlet called Jack's Place. Uh, that you hit a couple mm-hmm. times out on the golf course, um, which, you know, again, everything that we do is, is all based around um, we want every person who, to, whether it's, you know, playing the golf course or taking, taking the bite of a sandwich to be like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of the experience. Um, you know, it, it's not just playing the game, uh, but it's the overall experience. And uh, it, it sounds like you guys, have have really, uh, you know, really put a lot of thought into um, how you want to present everything. You've got not only a, a great uh, a great accommodations um, on a, a beautiful uh, property, uh, but you've got a world class uh, golf course uh, designed by uh, one of the top designers in the world. Of course, the, I'm talking about the Nicholas Design Team uh, by one of the greatest, arguably one of the greatest golfers of all time. And there are a lot of things to do besides just golf in the area. So you've got a lot of things covered. Uh, what are you looking forward to most this season? Uh, obviously, again, as we're starting to slowly, uh, in, in many parts of the country, uh, come out of uh, our, our current situation, what are you looking forward to most this season um, as, we, as you prepare uh, for the summer? Um. <laughs> Well, I would say number one, um, we're continuing to expand, and, and you know, I kind of touched on it before about, you know, when systems are running, then you can really find growth and development. So this year, we're actually instituting a four caddy program at Harbor Shores. Um, so taking again some of those those youth who have made it through the first tee, or our seniors on golf teams, or just you know, first year out. Um, really working with them to create an exceptional four caddy unit and opportunity for guests and members uh, at Harbor Shores. So I'm, I'm really excited about that and to just kind of see how that will continue to elevate the experience. Um, but it's more than just a four caddy. It's a storyteller. It's someone who can talk about, you know, the monuments on all the tees and what they represent and who made them locally, you know, the, 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 the glass, uh, the, the hand-blown glass and the steel and, and why they're there and what, why they're named the way they are and how they represent all 18 of Jack's majors. And there's a story that goes along with each one. And, you know, on, on hole 10, this is where Jack holds that putt in front of Johnny Miller and 4,000 uh, guests and, you know, on hole 14, how there was, you know, toxic waste that is, that's no longer there. Mm-hmm. And, and now you see wildlife surrounding, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Like I said, last year we opened our, our first champions villa and we've seen that grow significantly, you know, just from a reservation side of things this year. Um, we're fortunate enough to have uh, lights on our putting green. Um, so doing some unique, uh, uh, I guess, parties, if you will, throughout the season, Friday night under the lights, you know, things like that, just to engage more people. Like I said, you know, we we got to get past just trying to cater to, to the diehard golfer and get to people who right. may have an interest, but getting them invested, you know, through fun activities and ways to do that, um, you know, again, and, and, and engaging in that. But 
I think most of all I'm excited about our team and seeing them over the last couple of years watch successes happen and how excited they get about that. And I have no doubt this year is, is, is going to top, you know, the, the last ones that we've had. So, you know, just seeing their excitement and, and, you know, being able to engage with guests on a daily basis and our members on a daily basis and, you know, seeing that growth from the membership side and seeing that growth on the guest side and from the lodging side. And, you know, it, it really makes all of us feel good that we're doing something right. And people are, are now seeking us as opposed to us really searching for them in the past. Yeah, and and that's important. I think, you know, you want to create an experience and memories for, for people um, so that you're sort of in the forefront of their mind when they're planning, uh, you know, maybe a, a, you know, for somebody that's a little bit more locally that wants a, a quick getaway or somebody that's wanting to come up to that area uh, and, and have an overall experience. And, and some of the other things I want to point out, too, that I think are important, um, you know, in addition to some of the things we talked about, is you obviously have a, a you also have excuse me a great spa facility. So for somebody again that wants something else to do, maybe a couple comes up, uh, maybe she's not into golf, he is. Well, he's out playing. She can go take advantage of uh, and get a little uh, you know respite, if you will, in the spa and and get pampered a little bit while he's out you know hitting the links, as it were, right? Yeah, absolutely. Again. Uh, there's so many different options and, you know, whether it's the spa, whether it's the winery tours, whether it's uh, the kayak or, you know, like I said, water sports, there's, there's so many different things to engage in. And uh, all it takes is, you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is being a, a personal assistant or concierge to you. Tell us what you're looking for. We got the golf cover, we have the lodging cover, but what else can we do to make sure your experience is, is, is set above everything else? And uh, again, you know, for anybody to survive, in this day and age, you have to do something different. You have to be memorable. You have mm-hmm. to, like you said, be thought of. When someone thinks, where do I want to go and play golf this summer? If they don't think of Harbor Shores, then we fail, right? So I think, you know, trying to have that mentality all the time and saying, okay, you know, every person represents, you know, somebody that potentially um, could be a lifelong um, person that, that visits the facility year over year, brings friends, brings families, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, um, you know, like you said, there's there's so many opportunities to set up transportation. I know we have a couple groups, you know, fortunately because Whirlpool is headquarters here, we have a, a, a regional airport where we can fly private aircraft in, and we're going to start utilizing mm-hmm. that this year. We have some people flying in privately. We'll pick them up. We'll bring them to the resort. You know, so um, I, I believe, I, I don't believe, I know last year we had somebody that flew a helicopter in from Chicago and landed, you know, um, just next to one of the villas. So <laughs> my big thing wow. is, if you want to do it, we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. And, you know, we have a never say no mentality. And, and I think that's, that's important, uh, you know, to continue to engage people and, and get them interested. At the core of who I am, I'm a PGA golf professional. I love mm-hmm. golf and I love the game and I have a passion for it. And I want it to grow and develop. But if that, that's only going to happen as we continue to get people, um, regardless of age, engaged. But, yeah, it definitely helps and it's in our best interest to engage those that still have six or seven decades to go. That's right. And, and, and again, having a, a diverse opportunity and, and uh, you know, having a, a willingness to adapt and, and change with, with an, ever, uh, you know, an ever-changing uh, model, if you will, uh, certainly helps you accomplish that. And one final thing I just want uh, to touch on as well um, at Harbor Shores, and that is uh, the Inn particularly has uh, 
the ability to help those that maybe want to celebrate some of those special moments. Uh, maybe somebody wants to plan their wedding. Uh, you have the facilities and the wherewithal uh, to, to help them celebrate um, with a variety of different options as well. Maybe you could just mention that uh, a little bit and, and uh, some of the facility there that uh, they can take advantage of to uh, maybe celebrate that special day. Yeah, absolutely. We have we have multiple opportunities in that respect. Of course, the Inn at Harbor Shores has, um, you know, event space and, and, and such. At the golf club, we have uh, an event space there. Also, uh, conduct ceremonies out there adjacent to Number One, um, which creates a, a great setting. But, you know, what uh, what we've also found that we're really good at is is you know some of those smaller, more intimate gatherings as well, especially at the golf club. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty or thirty mm-hmm. guests where. Um, you know, they have the facility to themselves and, and, you know, there's really no better setting than that. So, um, yeah, again, if you can dream it, we can pull it off. Um, you just let us, <laughs> let us know what needs to be done and, and we'll, we'll handle it from there. Well, I think it's great. And I, uh, am working towards making my way, uh, up there this summer, uh, hopefully sometime in July. And, uh, I look forward to, uh, to having some of that experience myself, um, Joshua. Very quickly, if you wouldn't mind, I think we've we've touched on a lot of the different things, but uh, I want people to really uh, maybe take a closer look and 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 kind of search some things out uh, while they're making plans to decide what they're going to do this year. Um, what's the website they can go to? You can go to harborshoresresort.com. It'll have everything you need in regard to uh, the property, whether that's real estate, the inn, the golf course, uh, the villas, uh, all the opportunities available. Uh, you can even look into um, some of the other other amenities provided through the kayak launches or the brewery tours and things like that. But harborshoresresort.com. Perfect. Well, Joshua, I want to thank you very much for joining me this evening on Golf Talk Live and, and being my special guest. And I think you guys have a a world-class facility. Um, you've certainly got everything there uh, from uh, great accommodations, great golf, great food, and lots of entertainment uh, in the area to uh, to enjoy and right there on the resort as well. Uh, so it's a definitely a win-win. And I think you guys uh, are, are going to have a great season this year as we uh, begin to open back up our economy uh, here in the United States. I know you guys uh, are just itching to to get started and and really welcome some of those many guests uh, as they start to to get back out and and enjoy uh, what it is that you have to offer at Harbor Shore. So I want to thank you for joining me tonight and sharing that with my audience. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I look forward to, uh, to seeing you out at Harbor Shores this summer and experiencing it for yourself. Uh, perfect. Well, thank you, Joshua. You have a great uh, rest of your evening and a great weekend, and I look forward to seeing you uh, hopefully in a few months. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. All right that was uh, Joshua Dockstater, uh, the general manager at Harbor Shores Golf Club in Michigan. Uh, great facility. Uh, again, if you go to harborshoresresort.com, uh, you can see for yourself all of the things that uh, Joshua was talking about tonight. And I, I think you might want to plan a trip because, uh, again, Lake Michigan is a beautiful lake. Uh, they're right on there. They overlook uh, 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 that area of Lake Michigan, which is very beautiful. Uh, again, a Jack Nicholas designed golf course uh, for those that, that want to play uh, along uh one of the best golf courses in in the Michigan area. 
uh, and again, lots of other things to experience as well. So you might want to check that out. Uh, HarborShoresResort.com is the website. Again, uh, also a special thank you to Alicia Larson and Jamie Leno-Zimron for joining me earlier this evening on the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, ladies, for doing a great job. And to all of you for tuning in each and every week, I want to thank you for joining me here. Make sure you join me next week here with another great guest and another great panel on Coach's Corner. Until then, God bless everybody. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next time right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.